Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook. You can also find us at hypercleanstore.com. Let's get into it today. We got a lot of car news. We got a lot of car auction news. Let's start with Scottsdale. Uh, obviously, this is a big kickoff show for Barrett Jackson, but you also have other, uh, you know, different auctions going on at that time. Barrett Jackson kind of dominates that time. That's what they do. That's what they want to do. Uh, this is kind of their top event. But let's talk about some sales in and around Scottsdale. You had RM Sotheby's running an auction. They did a La Ferrari for over four million. But the only one that was ever finished in uh, blue Electrico and crema and leather, uh, a 71 Lamborghini Mira SV sold for 3.3. You actually had a 69 Chevrolet Stingray ZL1 convertible went for 3.1 million. That's a, <laughs> that's a crazy number. Uh, you know, you had some Ferrari F40s and different things like that. But let's get into Barrett Jackson a little bit. Here's one of the most surprising sales of Barrett Jackson. It was one of their top 10 sales. Uh, Ferrari SF90 2021 went for $742,000. The new MSRP on one of those is five hundred and twenty grand. essentially. Uh, you can, you know, basically put $200,000, into uh, <laughs> into options on a brand new one. Uh, I found that to be an interesting sale. They did sell a 1989 F40 finished in Nardo Gray, which is pretty intense looking. Obviously has some racing history. It's not a traditional F40, but that went for 2.75 million. Their second biggest sale was a was a 2005 Carrera GT, which are just continue to go up in value. 1.5 million dollars. You had two Ford GTs, carbon editions. Obviously went for one million above one million both. But here's an interesting part. There's just there's a side to Barrett Jackson and and Scottsdale that I've talked about before where they sell autumn uh memorabilia they had like a boat a bar boat uh somebody built uh took a a wooden boat and built a bar i think that sold for like 120 plus thousand dollars on the backside of the auction that doesn't really get shown on tv if you've never been there that's one of the most interesting things to go to is the memorabilia part of the auction and see all of this stuff i mean i think they had a ferrari sign that was like ninety six thousand dollars uh, from a dealership. It was like an ugly neon sign. You have some insane sales on the auto, <laughs> that memorabilia side of things. What are they called? Automobilia? Something like that. Yeah. I've never been able to quite say that, but yeah, that's a cool part of the show. Look, they did over $190 million worth of sales. The auction market is still strong, but here's something to kind of keep in mind. Barrett Jackson and Meekum, especially they're running thousands of, of cars through the line. They're really volume shops. And this is what proves it. I just give you all these big numbers and you hear all these big numbers. But one of the things that you don't hear is that the average sale price of the whole auction was $96,000. They, they don't sell a bunch of big ticket items. Barrett Jackson in particular does a really great job of talking about their big numbers. They, they promote them everywhere. Largely, you don't know who's buying them. You don't know if it's actually still going into the Barrett Jackson collection, which is a, a whole different, 
you know, thing that that's happened over the history of that auction. But here's the reality. They move some big numbers. Cars are still moving, but you're seeing that average sale price start to tick down. And again, just because you hear things about, you know, an SF90 and an F40 and a Carrera GT and carbon edition four GTs doesn't mean that that the sales are booming in every part of the auction. And that's where you can go find some some different things, falling prices, different things like that. And and, and again, if you haven't been to this, you got to go check out the memorabilia part. I can't say that enough. I mean, when you're talking about somebody bought a boat bar for $120,000, that's that's a pretty cool thing to be a part of, have a couple of drinks and, and see those auctions. And, and, and honestly, it's probably the most fun part of the auction. You always see the room packed when, when something big comes up on it. But again, even in Phoenix during this weekend, think about this. Uh, the 89 F40 Nardo Gray sold for $2.75 million. Down the street, RM Sotheby's had two or three cars go above that, and one almost doubled that. Uh, it, it's just a different type of auction that's run at Barrett-Jackson. It's a volume-based auction. doesn't mean they won't do big numbers, but I think – RM Sotheby's did like 44 or $45 million worth of sales and just rare vehicles right down the street. So uh, they, they had, you know, that Mura, which is, you know, pretty insane. Their F uh, 40 was, uh, you know, something to take a look at. If you've never seen that blue color uh, or excuse me, that La Ferrari, sorry. Uh, the, the F 40 was at a uh, bear Jackson, but the La Ferrari in that blue with the uh, cream interior. If you haven't seen that, go check that out. Uh, that's a pretty cool finish for a car that, that is super rare. And, and honestly, I don't, I've actually haven't seen all that many La Ferraris in my life. I've seen enough of them. I'm in the double digits, but I haven't seen, I've seen more F forties than I've probably seen La Ferraris. And I think we had I'm trying to think of my history. I think I've worked on probably close to 10 different ones. But I just don't see them around very much. They're really kind of hidden in collections, uh, which is kind of a shame because they're cool to see driving around. I wish we would see them a little bit more, but that's just not that type of car anymore. Uh, let's get on to something else. I hope all you that, that are following the auction stuff uh, are enjoying it. I know we're seeing some things posted in the group about it, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, didn't really watch it on TV. I can't really stand listening to those people talk that much. Uh, but I was following it online, and we had a couple bids for some customers down there. I thought I was going to end up sending a couple cars. We didn't. Uh, I've actually had a lot of customers start to hold on to things and hold on to vehicles, and I kind of like it because I think we're going to start seeing them drive these vehicles they were going to sell. So we we haven't been all that active because I think we're starting to see the world change a little too rapidly to guess. Uh, but I, I had plenty of cars I was loosely affiliated with, not really in charge of. They went down there. They seemed to do okay. Uh, but I hope everybody's kind of enjoying this this talk. Let, let's talk a little bit about something else. Let's talk about used car prices. We don't really want to go very long not talking about this because, you know, it's changing so rapidly. So let me give you a little bit of what the end of last year looked like as these numbers start to float in and we start to get some confirmation on things and what we're seeing in the first month of this year, CarMax, their sales are down 25% and their net earnings fell close to 86%. 
they're the biggest player. They're the most stable player in the used car market. Carvana's unstable, and now more drums are being beat about them possibly having to file for bankruptcy, as we kind of talked about on here months and months ago. Here's the interesting thing about CarMax. So they're seeing everything fall beside them, and the CEO comes out and says, we're trying to keep our prices elevated so we can make as much as we need to make per car in our margin. I kind of find that funny because that wasn't in his vocabulary three years ago. The pandemic has taken a guy like him and said, we'll keep our prices elevated. We'll sell less cars. So part of the elevation you're still seeing in the used car market are guys like him. And obviously he's a smart guy and CarMax is a great, runs a great business, but they're now addicted to, I need to make this massive amount of money per car, which wasn't in the car market three and a half years ago. They were selling, they were worried about their volume, constant volume, and they would make lower margin. Now, CarMax always made a high margin, about 16 to 18% more than a traditional used car dealer on the same car. So they were already making a lot of money. Now he's getting greedy and he's seeing sales down 25%, net earnings down 86%. It's going to be interesting to see when a shareholders of that company come in and say, hey, bud, start cutting the prices. We need to sell some cars. Maybe they won't do it. Maybe they're also addicted. But when you start to see those fall in numbers, I think you're going to see some crazy things happen. Carvana bought Odessa, which is which is a car auction. If, if none of you have ever been there, you have a lot of dealer stuff there, that kind of thing. They bought them, took on a ton of debt, right as the debt started to go up. That's what everybody thinks is going to sink Carvana. I don't know. Uh, they got a lot of cash. I think they're going to bankruptcy, but just because you go to bankruptcy doesn't mean you fail. They'll just reorganize their debt. They'll get deals with their bondholders. Maybe somebody comes in and buys them, uh, you know, full stop. But I think they're in a tough business. They're trying to get as many cars as they can get. They're paying too high a price. That has been cut to the bone, though. They're they're obviously, obviously not paying top dollar anymore because everybody's seeing the writing on the wall. Let's also run through what the average interest rate that a consumer is paying on a used car. I think this is important. Everybody's talking about interest rates and they're up a half a point and this and that. The average interest rate on a used car today is 12.37%. It turns out not that many people have good credit. Yeah, the interest rate has gone up, but you know it was like nine and some change on the average nine point something percent when when interest rates were low uh interest rates affect used cars there's no doubt about it but they really only affect those with good credit those with bad credit have always been paying a lot in interest and so what's an extra two points three points for somebody that's already been used to paying nine ten eleven twelve percent right i'm not saying that that's the way i look at it i wouldn't pay twelve percent on any loan uh for a car but if you're in that position, you're trying to rebuild your credit, you're in those positions. This is the funny thing of how disconnected people can get. They hear all the news about rising interest rates, and they don't realize the vast majority of people that buy used cars have been paying astronomical interest rates. And I'll give people a story. I had a chance to buy into a used car lot probably like six or seven years ago. And so I'm doing my due diligence and I'm going through all the paperwork and I got an attorney and he's going through the paperwork this used car lot, which was selling quite a few cars, they probably averaged 
23 or 24% in interest charged to the customer. It was a buy here, pay here. They sold really nice vehicles, but I don't think people, I mean, I wouldn't have known it until I dug into the numbers. Wasn't in my world. I wasn't going to pay 20%. I'll never forget. Somebody came in for a Range Rover and it was a nice enough Range Rover. Okay. It wasn't a perfect Range Rover, but I'll share this story. And I'm sitting there, right? We're doing the due diligence. I thought I was going to invest into this dealership. The deal ended up falling through because they didn't really have their finances in order. But here's the funny thing. I got to watch what was going on in this business. And so here was one of the craziest things that happened is I saw a woman who really wanted a Range Rover. She couldn't go to a Range Rover dealership because she didn't have the credit. So she comes to this used car lot. They got a fairly decent Range Rover, but not a perfect one. I think it's got like 40 or 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 miles in that range. So not new, but not, you know, 100,000. Folks, she ended up paying like 32% in interest. Her payment on like a 50, 60, $70,000 Range Rover was like 1700 bucks a month. And she was begging them to finance it. They didn't force her. There was no sales. She was selling them. It was the craziest thing I ever saw in person. I mean, I know that happens every day. And, and those of you that are in that market, but in a buy here, pay here situation, you can charge whatever interest you think you can then go sell the paper to somebody, right? Like this, this is a world where so many in a, you know, uneducated people will say, well, the interest rate on used cars that really only affects me and those of you with good credit because you went from paying 2% on money to paying five and a half or 6% or 7%. If I'm already used to paying 14%, what's it matter if I pay 17%? I wasn't getting a good deal anyway. And that's the kind of funny thing when you read all these articles and you watch, you know, financial TV or whatever, and people start talking about the used car market, the used car market right now seems to be driven by one thing. Used car people, dealerships especially, CarMax, local people, they don't want to take a cut on the on what they're charging people. I think we'd see prices drastically fall if companies just decided we need to start moving volume again. And I think that's going to happen. Let's make no mistake. I think that's definitely going to happen. I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but you'll soon need people to offload cars. People will need cash into their business. That could be a publicly traded or a local, you know, family owned dealership. It doesn't matter. This stuff doesn't ha last forever. We've already seen car prices. They said 15 to, to 20% in most markets uh, by the end of last year, they're expecting another five to 15% to, to fall this year, depending on city and, and location you know, you're going to see probably a, a total fall of 30 to 50% to, to in some markets on used cars. And, and that'll get us back to a normal range. The number one thing from last week was about the Hummer. And I got a lot of people reaching out to me, especially guys that, that I know, uh, collectors that I do business with that are listening. And so here's one of the interesting things. We got a 2023 Range Rover in the shop for full front end paint protection film and coating and ceramic coating this week. So I get to pick it up and drive it from the dealership to here. And then I'll be driving it to the customer's house. 
final price I think was about $138,000 on this Range Rover. About 125 on a Hummer. It's not only $13,000 better the Range Rover, it's about 100 grand better than the Hummer. Seats are better, center consoles better, infotainment's better, body's better, wheels look better. They now have probably the best put rear cargo area, tailgate area. They've they've completely eliminated all waste back there. Again, I'm not like some Range Rover fanboy, but this is where I find it funny. You look at the quality and the build quality of a Range Rover, and I get it. They got engine and electrical problems. If you own them too long, I'm all fine with that. Hummer's already had a recall on their electrical problems. So that's kind of a you know a, a void point. But when we sit here and we we you drive both of them, they're not in the same class. The 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 cheap plastic and the the way everything feels so light and all those kinds of things. It's not in the same class of vehicle. And this is when you're advising people how easy it is. When you hop in a Range Rover, it feels heavy. It feels luxurious. I'm not crazy about the seat design. I'll say that. I think they, they need to, to, to do a little bit more of the AMG, you know, Lincoln black label style seat. I don't love their seats, but they're comfortable. They're not, they're not that hard, you know, vinyl. And, 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 you know, plastic feeling that GM has in the Hummer. So they're still luxurious. I wish they were designed a little different. I wish they, I wish they fit you a little different, those types of things. But this is a company that's consistently redesigned the Range Rover and has never messed it up, in my opinion. You realize how rare that is? I mean, we're talking about three Hummer, four Hummers. Two of the four have been messed up. And you could argue that three of the four have been messed up. You see how rare that is? And so when people heard it last week, they're like, well, you know, Range Rover this, Range... I'm just talking about a luxury SUV. Now, again, it's not a Cullinan. It's not a uh, a Bentega. Those are different price points. Those are in the twos and the threes. You're talking about a different luxury class uh, that, that isn't part of this conversation. Let's call it the sub $150,000 SUV. You know, Urus from Lamborghini's way in the twos. Uh, at the end of the day, this, this is what makes Range Rover the best luxury SUV in this price point. And it's not close. Go look at the new ones. Taillights redesigned. Somehow got it right. That doesn't always go right. You seen how many ugly taillights are on the road? You see how many light bars go all the way across cars now? It's like, it's not that easy. It just really isn't as easy as Range Rovers made it look. Their center console, which was kind of controversial for a few years because there was a lot of black piano trim and, and they had that silly knob that popped up. Now they've gone to a to to a true like shifter in the middle. Looks great. Looks clean. And great to drive, tons of power, really quiet, luxurious, everything that I didn't experience in Hummer. And that's why it's not, that's why you got to be consistent with, with what real luxury is. And then you got to have a baseline to then judge everything in that price point. And right now, if you're talking about sub $150,000 SUVs, I, I just, I just don't know how you put Hummer at a price point 
anywhere near a Range Rover. And that's how I would make the argument to a customer. So those of you that are that have asked me how I think about these things, I'm trying to do a better job of, of when I get into a vehicle, like I got into the 2023 Range Rover that we got here in the shop at, that we're actually about to finish up on right now after I get off here, you have to understand that it's just not the same. It's not the same. And you got to look about fit and finish. And, and again, I don't even love the seats in the Range Rover and the way they look. They got to redesign those, but it's still comfortable. It still feels luxury. You get in there, all the bells and the whistles feel luxury. And that's what matters. And so when you start giving this type of advice, that's how I do it. I hope that helps. I was going to talk about something else about hiring and firing today, uh, but I don't think uh, it kind of fits. I went a little bit long talking about uh, cars and the auctions and getting everybody caught up. So I think I'm going to leave it here today. Uh, you guys have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week.